Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. Hey, church family, I miss you. I wish I could just see you face to face today. So wherever you are, whenever you're watching this, listening to this, I wish I could be with you in person, but I'm so happy to uh, be able to connect like this online today. I, I wanna start with a question, and here's the question. What do you do when you don't know what else to do? What do you do when you don't know what else to do. Have you ever been there before? Like you're you're just at the end of your wits, you're at the end of your patience, right? You're at the end of your rope, you're at the end of your knowledge, the end of your understanding. When when you get totally frustrated or overwhelmed, like what do you do when you get to that point? And maybe you're feeling that point right now as we are in the middle of, oh, I don't know, a global pandemic and racial tensions, and it feels like the world's going to spin off of its axis, right? What do you do when you don't know what else to do? Now, in our day, the first thing we do is we Google it, right? Or you, you might read a blog, you might read a book, you might ask a friend, a parent, a, a mentor, a, a spiritual disciple, or a pastor even. You might make a bunch of changes in your life or just give up. What do you do when you don't know what else to do? I uh, used to be a recording engineer. That's something I did um, kind of early on in my professional career. I owned and operated a recording studio for about 10 years. And I remember this one time when I had a massive session. This was a big session for me. It was going to pay a lot of money. And I had a, a full country act that was coming in with a producer. And they all wanted to record at the same time. Now, this session uh, had, um, I, I had a drummer, I had a bass player, piano player, guitar players, violin, a dobro, a vocalist, which meant that I had like cables and microphones and equipment everywhere. I was running around like crazy trying to get everything kind of put in its place and patched in and then running back into the control room and getting all the, the gear uh, you know, dialed in with the faders and the knobs and making all the adjustments there to where it just sounded really, really good. And I was so excited. like It was coming together so well. And then the producer walks in and he says, do you have a copier? Now, I had everything that we needed. I had, I had mics and cables and gear and, and rooms. I had everything we needed except for a copier. I didn't know what else to do. And so I, I grabbed like a scanner, like the old style scanners, right? And, and plug it into this computer. And I had a, an old printer and I'm trying to make it all work, but the drivers aren't there. and I don't have the ink and it's just a total disaster. And finally, I had to admit man, I have no way to make copies. And in the studio, time is money. They're paying by the hour. 
And so they're going to have to spend a lot of time making these charts for all these musicians by hand. I was so down. And I, uh, I remember I decided I was going to walk into the house next door and just go get some food and drink, just kind of sort of chill out for a moment because of how intense the morning had been. And so I leave that studio, I open that door, and you're never going to believe what happened next. But before I tell you what happened next, I want us to read a passage today from Matthew chapter seven. This is Jesus speaking. He's in the middle of what, what we know to be the Sermon on the Mount. And this is uh, from verse seven of Matthew chapter seven. I'm gonna read through uh, verse 11. If you wanna read along with me, and here's what it says. Jesus says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Verse 9, who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. And so Jesus here in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, actually at the kind of the end of the Sermon on the Mount, is talking about asking and seeking and knocking. Now, what, what you need to know is that a chapter before this, in chapter six, Jesus talks about prayer. In fact, we talked about that uh, passage during our series called 40 Days. And we talked about prayer. You can go back and find that on our podcast, and he tells them about you know uh, how don't be don't be like the hypocrites that love to be seen praying out on uh, you know on the public street corners. In fact, go to your secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. He tells them not to babble on like pagans, like don't just heap up many words and phrases, thinking that's how you'll get God's ear, but rather trust that He knows that He knows exactly what you need before you ask Him, and then He gives them the model. Prayer, and you probably know this prayer by heart. We call it the Lord's Prayer, right? Begins with our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, right? You know this model prayer from Jesus. But here we have just a little bit later in this teaching, he's talking about prayer again. Ask, seek, and not Jesus is doubling down on prayer. And he extends an astounding invitation while making some audacious claims. And as we talk about stronger in the summer of stronger, we believe as the people of God that God is actually strengthening us in the moment where it feels like everything could weaken us. I believe that we're going to get stronger through prayer. And it's especially helpful when you don't know what else to do. Now, the first thing that Jesus tells us in this passage in verse seven, the first word is ask, right? Ask and it will be given to you. Now, asking requires dependence. It's kind of a humbling thing because to ask for something is to admit that I don't already have it. Right? To ask for help is to say, I need help. 
or, or to ask for knowledge. Like back before we had maps on our phones, men, you might remember this driving along the road, right? And, and your wife asks you, are we lost? And you're like, no, I know exactly where we are, right? This, you know, this road goes here and I, I recognize building over there, right? And you're kind of, you're making it up because you can't admit that you don't know. You have no clue where you are. You're lost, but you don't want to go into the gas station and ask for someone because that's really humbling. It requires dependence. It requires humility. And you see, our default state in this fallen nature, as Jesus says, those of us who are evil, we are indelibly marked with the sin nature. And that nature in us makes us want to be radically self-reliant. And self-reliance says, I don't need anything. And if I did, I'd figure it out on my own, right? Self-reliance is the opposite of God-dependence, what Jesus is inviting us into here when he tells us to ask. Now, speaking of maps on our phones, Siri has made it a little bit harder for us to discern our self-reliance. Like our modern conveniences have kind of sort of covered up our self-reliance. I'll give you an example. I don't know what your family's like around the dinner table, but our family, we talk about random stuff. And so like this week, there was a question of like, when was McDonald's founded? We're trying to, you know, think about when it was founded. I don't know why we talk about this kind of stuff, but this is what we do. And so one of us was like, I think it was like in the seventies. And the other one of us was like, I think it was like in the fifties or maybe the sixties. So what do we do? Hey Siri, when was McDonald's founded? Now, no lie, as I just said that to you on this camera, on my, on my uh, computer screen behind this camera, a, a notification just popped up from Siri telling me exactly when McDonald's was founded. In, in the age of self-reliance, it's really easy to ask the internet, to ask Google, to ask Siri, and I'm wondering if we're more likely to say, hey, Google, than we are to say, heavenly father. We have to realize that our self-reliance is actually the opposite of God dependence. And Jesus invites us to ask. Now, I know you know this, but did you know that there are things the internet cannot tell you. I know that's silly because you know that, but do you know, like, do you know it? There are things that you cannot find online on a device, but only when you become spirit dependent. Jesus invites us to ask. And that just astounds me. I was reading a passage in Mark recently, and Jesus is telling his disciples about the, the great tribulation, right? The, the last days, the end times. And he tells them this, pray it doesn't happen in winter. As if disciples could pray about when this sovereign moment, when God was going to come and establish this great tribulation that would lead to his imminent return. And Jesus said, look, pray. And what he's implying is this, like God is inviting you to ask him for things that feel like they're way beyond what you would be able to ask for. And he hears 
And he responds. It's astounding to me that Jesus invites us to ask. The second thing that Jesus says here is seek and you will find. You see, prayer is seeking. It's going after something. To seek has an element of action, right? It's to search for something. It's to, to desire it in such a way that you're going to do something about it. And in our house, um, in the evenings during coronavirus, we've been watching a show together as a family because we have nothing else to do. And almost every night, here's what it looks like. We all finally get down to the couch and we all sit there together. And then it's this. Where's the remote? Hey, everyone, look around you and see if there's a re remote nearby. Is it, you know, by you on the table? Is it on the coffee table? Dig in the couch. Because like, eventually, desire will manifest in action and we'll stand up and we'll have to like look around the house or pull couch cushions out, right? Because we've got to find the remote control. But seeking is like that. It's, it's got an active component. It's when you desire something, and it, it moves you. There's, there's an earnestness, a, a, a yearning inside of you. And that's what Jesus actually invites us into, to seek for something. What do you do when you don't know what else to do and you feel stuck? Like you feel like life is kind of cornering you and, and, and you don't know how to you know handle it. Now, some of us, we probably just feel like really down. Like we just kind of get stuck in despair. Others of us, we're kind of like, we're, we're going to get like really crazy. We're going to make some big changes and we're, we're going to make sure that we don't get trapped by life because what is whispered into our souls by this self-reliance in nature and by the, the world and the flesh and the devil is that it's all on you and you're alone in this. It's all on you and you're alone in this. Like, like a child who looks into a pitch black uh, bedroom at night and scared that there's a boogeyman in the corner and just sitting there in terror thinking, there's no one here to help me. But Jesus talks about something else. He, he talks about a spirit dependence where we seek where we seek. You see, seeking isn't self-reliant, but it's spirit-dependent. It's not striving in our strength, like trying to make something happen in our life, but it's rooted in trust. And every step we take is taken in faith, prayerfully. We're seeking after something. Jesus invites you to seek to yearn, to earnestly desire things that only your heavenly Father can give you. The third thing, Jesus says, knock and the door will open for you. You see, prayer is knocking, right? It's knocking. And to knock is a, is a persistence in asking, a, a persistence in seeking, it's where we're just going to sit there and knock until somebody comes to open the door. 
and to knock, it, it requires perseverance in prayer, right? It's, it's patient. It's the opposite of instant gratification, which is like, give it to me now. Jesus doesn't say to push the door open. He says to knock. And see, self-reliance makes us want to have control over everything because we don't want to have to need anyone. And so if we can just have control over everything, then everything will work as it's supposed to work. And then I feel better about my life. I feel comforted because I have control. But the reality is that we don't have control. And when you don't know what else to do, you feel really out of control. See, Jesus tells us here, there are doors that you cannot open for yourself. Doors that you just have to knock on. But there is someone who can open the door for you. Jesus invites us to knock persistently, patiently in prayer. Here's the, the last thing, but it's a big last thing, but it's the last thing that I want to tell you. Jesus's astounding invitation comes with the audacious promises of receiving, finding, indoors, opening. That's what he said. Verse eight, for everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds one who knocks the door will be opened i mean those are audacious promises right it's it's mind-blowing that jesus would give us this level of access to make these kinds of promises to us i, I think of other moments in the life of jesus in john 14 13 he told he told his disciples whatever you ask in my name i will do it in Mark eleven twenty four, everything you pray and ask for, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. What? Jesus. He makes these audacious promises of receiving and finding and doors opening. And behind the promises, there must be the capital P promise keeper. Verse 9 through 11, Jesus said, who among you, if he, if, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now, did you catch the contrast there? You who are evil, ouch, Jesus, right? And like I said earlier, you and I, we are indelibly marked by the sin nature, right? And even at our best, if you've got the mom of the year coffee mug last year, if you got the dad of the year t-shirt last year, even at your best, you're evil. You're, you're marred by brokenness and sin. And Jesus is contrasting that 
even in our brokenness, even, even in our sinful condition, we deeply desire to give our children good things, don't we? You see, Jesus reveals God not just as a supreme ruler, not just as an impersonal force or an angry judge. Jesus reveals God, capital G God, as a good father. Do you think of God like that? A good father? And if not, why not? You see, this good news of Jesus, this gospel that we talk about, it tells us that self-reliance isn't the solution. It's not the answer. It's actually the problem. And if we're honest with ourselves, it's not what we really want. We don't want everything to be upon us, to make it all happen. We don't want to be alone in this thing called life. We don't want to be alone or to have everything resting on our shoulders when we don't know what else to do. And this gospel tells us that Jesus stepped into our broken, sinful condition. And he took all of that junk, all of our sin upon himself, and he bore it on a rugged Roman cross. And then three days later, he conquered our sin and death when he rose out of that grave. Jesus, the perfect son, came to reconcile the estranged sons and daughters of God back to a good father. As Paul wrote, but now he, talking about Jesus, has reconciled you by his physical body through his death. That word reconcile is that you're brought back. Like you, you, were, you were separate. You, you were far away. But Jesus has brought you back in. He's brought you back into connection. He reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. This gospel tells us that there's a really, really good father who can fully accept you, even, even in your mess, even in your sinful condition. He can accept you through Jesus. And that Jesus has the power to present you to the father as holy and blameless and without fault. so that you're not alone. There's someone who has every resource that you need. Someone who's able to step in when you're at the end and you don't know what else to do. And this keeps our prayers rooted in trust in a good father and not in self-reliance, right? He's good and it's in his nature to give good Things. This keeps our prayers centered on God 
and not ourselves and not on our prayer performance. As I, I read a quote this past week, even bad prayer is better than no prayer, meaning it doesn't matter. It's not about you. It's all about him. It keeps our prayer centered on God because he has the power to deliver. As Jesus said, how much more, can you imagine, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now back to the story. So there I am. I'm in the studio. I'm totally depressed and down because I can't make copies. I tell the producer, I know it's going to take them a lot of time to make those copies. So I start walking back out of the studio. I'm going to go get a snack. I open the door to that studio and there's a box on my patio. Now, I just want to let you know, this was before the days of Amazon Prime where you like had a box dropped off at your door all the time, right? So this was not a normal thing to happen. So here I am, I open the door, there's a box on my patio. I go to the box and I read the label on the box and it's a copier. I'm not lying to you. I'm telling you the honest truth. I pick up that box. I'm totally like astounded. I have no idea where this thing came from. I, I turn back inside the studio. I walk in with the band and the producer. And I said, you're never going to believe this, but this was sitting on my patio. It's a copier. I mean, I, I looked at the labels from my, my phone company. I called them and I was like, what is this? How much does it cost? And they said, well, we show in our records that you asked to receive this all in one copier. Now, friends, I never ordered a copier. But God knew. God knew. And in the secret of my heart where I just said, Lord, help. Lord, help. I'm at the end. I don't know what else to do. God delivered because he's the God who delivers. And you need to hear that. Some of you, you're just, you're so low right now. You're just, you're so broken because life has just been crazy for you. And I just sense that in the spirit of God right now that some of you are just being touched by what I'm saying. And I just want you to hear that you have a God who has the power to deliver. He, you have a father who's good, who delights to give good things to his children. And you need to hear that. You need to be encouraged today. And it's not about you. You see, when I, when I told the band about the copy and I showed it to them, here's what they said. They said, you must have favor with God. Now, these, this was not a Christian band. I don't know if any of them were believers or not, but they discerned something in the moment that said, only God could do this. And you know why I have favor with God? It's not because I'm a pastor. It's not because I've tried to follow him for a lot of years in my life. 
It's not because I've tried to be moral or to, to get rid of sin in my life. It's, it's not because of any of those things. It's because 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus crawled up on a cross so that he could pay for the sins of Chris Kip and he could present me holy and blameless and faultless to a good father who could delight to give me good things. So what do we do with this? What, what do we do with what Jesus is telling us here? I think it's really clear. Without formula and without fanfare, he wants us to ask with humility and to seek earnestly and to knock patiently and persistently knowing, expecting, waiting to receive, to find, and for doors to open. Because that's what we do when we don't know what else to do. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.